God's word for us today is from Matthew in chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. So my gym closed because my desk chair ran into it. No kidding. And then I met one of my professors from the seminary at a church that I formerly served as a pastor, and we met there so that he could find a bed in the basement and take a nap. And then there's this uh, roll of duct tape that formed itself into this beautiful artistic, uh, I, you call it like a mosaic or a collage. It was gorgeous. Weird, right? Those were just some of my recent dreams. You want to know more? <laughs> Scientists study dreams. And they say that dreams happen during REM sleep, right? We're sleeping at night, and, and, and REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, is a stage of sleep that happens in cycles through the night. Periods of about from 3 to 30 minutes will cycle through periods of REM sleep during the night, and, and that's when we dream. They say that when you, when you wake up and like a dream is really vivid and clear, like, like sometimes they feel like they really happened, because you woke up during REM sleep. That's not normal, but when you do, your dreams are going to seem more vivid and clear. Researchers who look at dreams also say that we're actually conscious when we're dreaming. We're just asleep and conscious at the same time. So the, so the chemicals in our bodies that God made to keep, us, uh, to keep our minds working and our brains active, those chemicals are actually flowing. They're triggered when we're dreaming at night during our sleep, and that's what makes us conscious. But they say this, chemicals like serotonin that keep us awake are inactive. So the visual cortex of the brain is working, and emotions are processing in the limbic system, yet the area of the brain that imposes logical thinking is deactivated. Thus, our dreams are hyper-emotional. That's all a fancy science way of saying. Their dreams are just weird. They're different. That's why it's a good time for us to, to release a new series this first Sunday in January called Dreamer. Because dreams are different. Well, it's a different year. 
We're a different church. New things are happening. New Year's resolutions are on the table. New things are going on. It's a time for life change. We are saying we're not expecting the same things to produce different results, right? So it's all about being different and being new, maybe even being a little weird. Some of us don't have to try very hard to do that. Joseph dreams something different because dreams are different. And what we see Joseph dreaming is Joseph dreams a different family life. So Joseph enters the story of, of this Christmas story. We're using this to, to begin our series, and we're kind of wrapping up our celebration of Christmas with this story. But, but Joseph enters the story as an engaged young man. He's engaged to be married. And like any young engaged man, right, Joseph is going to have plans and ideas and expectations for what his married, marriage will be like, what his family will be like. Enter God on the scene who has different plans and ideas and expectations than Joseph's plans and ideas and expectations. There's the tension of this story. Joseph's are here. God's are here. As Joseph brings his plans, ideas, and expectations for his family life, in congruence with God's, it's different. But it's better. Much better. And here's where God gives us a glimpse of our expectations and plans and ideas for our family as well. And God's. And bringing ours in congruence and alignment with what God's are for us. And when we do that, it's going to be different. Maybe even scary, but better. And then that gives us ideas for what our church family is like, too. We do the same thing. So, I want to start out with, with your help, especially kids. If you are between the age of 2 and 10, raise your hand. 2 to 10, raise your hand. Listen carefully now and give me an answer to this. I'm going to read you the first few words of a story. And when you hear these words, I think you'll recognize them. You need to tell me what that story is. Okay? I'm going to read you the first few words. Listen carefully. Here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire... What story is that? Anyone? Anyone older than 10? Say it! It's a Christmas story, isn't it, right? So that's the Christmas story from, if you're older than 10, what book of the Bible? Luke. Okay, so the Bible book of Luke gives us the Christmas story within the context of government. In those days, Caesar Augustus, okay? So Luke introduces Jesus in the Christmas story in the context of government, empires, a powerful influence. Here's what's interesting now. The Bible book of Matthew introduces the Christmas story in Jesus in a different context. Still powerful influence. I might suggest more powerful influence. I'm going to read you the words from Matthew, and you, you determine what context it's in. It's not government. It's something else. Here it is. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See that? So 
in the Bible book of Matthew. The Bible introduces the Christmas story, not in the context of government, but in the context of family. Isn't that interesting? Family's a big deal to God. God himself is community, family within the Trinity. The Father and the Son are family. God made Adam and Eve and put them together as a family in the Garden of Eden. God gives us families and blesses us with families to be the, the foundation of society today. And God has blessed all of us who are here, all of you who are watching online, all of us blessed us with family. As a matter of fact, no one can say that they are who they are apart from family. It's, it's the number one nurturing environment earthly environment on our planet. It's family. Now, some of you might be saying this, oh, fine, buddy, but I tell you what, <laughs> my family, I mean, they are, they're just dysfunctional in a lot of ways, or distant, or disappointing, or blended, or broken, or absent or abusive. So, so don't tell me about all this family blessing stuff. And then Jesus says this, yeah, my family is the same way. So go back in the scriptures, Jesus' ancestors, and you will find everything I just said about what families might be, including disappointing, dysfunctional, Broken and abusive. It's all in Jesus' family. And now, here we are in the present context of Jesus' family being his mother Mary and Joseph coming onto the scene. And what do we have? We have scandal, folks. We have an unwed pregnancy in this village of Nazareth. Can you imagine the scene of Mary going home to tell her parents, as an unmarried girl, I'm pregnant? And then there's Joseph. See, the, God, through an angel, let Mary in on the news early in the game here that she was pregnant, and it was through the Holy Spirit. But God did not tell Joseph that. Apparently, he didn't tell Joseph that right away. And, and Mary didn't either. That's another sermon. I have my ideas for why she didn't. But all we know is that later, after Mary knew, Joseph found out that his fiancée was pregnant and that he wasn't involved. And so, obviously, she had a fling with another guy. And now what's a young, engaged Jewish man supposed to do? Joseph had his options according to Jewish law, and, and one of them was to keep it quiet, move on, get a divorce, and Mary would have to be married to the guy she had a fling with. That's, that's what Joseph planned. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So I find myself asking this question. God, why, why did you let Joseph go through all this, play this game? Why not just bring Joseph into the scene right away and tell him, like you told Mary, that Mary's baby is not yours and it's not another guy's, it's God's. But God didn't do that. Why? Why let Joseph suffer through all this pain and confusion and literally get to the point of, of this devastating conclusion that he was going to have to divorce the love of his life? Ever been there? 
hopes dashed, family dreams shattered, prayers unanswered, at least from your perspective of what you're praying for, not happening. Almost as if God isn't hearing you. Medical diagnosis, not conclusive. The bosses at work not coming around with any conclusive decision and leaving you in limbo. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to be a good person and it's not working. And people aren't helping. You ever been there? I have. God, why, why is this going on? Why all this pain and confusion? Hmm. Why for Joseph? Why for us? We need to understand this, that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, our search for answers and results, the search is more valuable and more beneficial for us than the answers of the results themselves. God will say, I, I know that you're wrestling in prayer. I hear what you're asking me, and I'm, I'm just waiting on this one. And the process of waiting is actually more helpful for us than God giving us an answer right away. So it was this process that was helpful for Joseph. Sometimes uh, theologians will say it this way. I think this is an awesome phrase. Sometimes God hides in order to make himself known. If you can remember that, you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble and, and worry in life. If you remember this, God, sometimes God hides in order to make himself known. Sometimes he's silent. Sometimes he won't give you a diagnosis through the doctors. Sometimes he won't give you clarity for a decision. Why? Because the process is more important than the product. The search is more important than the answer because through the search we grow and our character builds and we, and we have to lean on God and get closer to him. And that's what happened to Joseph. The process prepared him. There's all kinds of terms for this in the Bible. Refining, pruning. All right, Jesus talks about that in John 15, how God, the Father, prunes us. Our Father is a gardener. And pruning, ouch, it hurts, and limbs are taken off. And, and, but pruning, according to Jesus, the net result of pruning isn't less, but more. He, Jesus used the word more fruitful, right? So the net result of Joseph going through this painful process was, was he was better prepared. Ask Moses, who thought he should lead the Israelite slaves out of Egypt at age 40, and, and God had some preparing to do for Moses, and he led them out at age 80. So how did this help Joseph? It, here's how it helped Joseph. Joseph was able to clarify his values during this point in time. All right, here's how that process works. Joseph had to make a big decision about Mary. Ah, and instead of letting his unmanaged emotions ru rule him and ruminating on this and, and letting his emotions play the day, Joseph had to step back and say, hold on a minute, what's most important here? What, what is the priority? What is a timeless truth that I can stand firmly on and make my decision based on that? What's a principle and a promise of God? And for Joseph, if we want to sum that up in one word, it was love. Love. Joseph loved 
God so much, the God who loved him, loved him so much that Joseph was willing to do anything that his God told him to do. That's what it means when it says Joseph was faithful to the law. And not just love for God, but love for Mary. He loved her so much that he wanted to do not what his feelings told him to do, not what he was angry about, but what was good for her. And what was good for her, the Bible tells us, he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. Do you see, so I gave some examples for our personal lives, but you see this happening for our church? Okay, don't miss this. What was happening to Joseph at this point in time that God had not revealed something to him and he had to struggle for the answer and it wasn't coming? Do you, do you see how this has happened for, our new, for Cross Life, for New Church? For the plans beforehand that we've been making? And uh, we've had to struggle through those with some prayers that weren't answered the way that we wanted them to be answered. And we say, why God? And he says, because the search is more important than what you find. The journey more than the destination and I have some growing for you to do, and I have some, some value clarifying for you to do, and then we get to spreadsheets, and, and we fill in those spreadsheets, and there's empty boxes, and if we fill in those boxes, there's a negative end result, and we say, well, how can we do it? And, and God says, good, because I don't want you to know that, because I want you to come to me with your arms open and say, God, we need you. We believe in you. And then the, and we try to fit our figures and our forms into a building shape and size and cost, and it's not working, and we're on our seventh rendition, and we say, why, God? Why this painful process, right? And he's saying, because the search, the journey is so important that I'm bringing you closer to me, and you're growing, and you're becoming stronger. That's why. You see that? And our values have clarified, or are clarifying. It's a process. And one of those values that's, that's bubbling up in our hearts and that God is bringing to the surface is family. Family. Cross Life Church is a family church. And so I love it. I'm, I'm starting to hear this from you. I'm starting to hear people say, well, if we're a family, then... And I love that. That's saying... We have values, and there's something, there's a, there's a principle and a promise of God that we're standing on. We're not following our feelings. We're not following our, our opinions that we're enamored with, and we think we know our own experiences, but we're following values that are founded in God's promises and principles, and family is one of those. And, and so I'm hearing people saying, like, well, if we're a family, we need to get together more often. And if we're a family, we need to celebrate more things together. If we're a family, we need to pray for each other more. If we're a family, well, I don't know, let's just go bowling. Exactly. So that's the process, and that's how it's helpful for Joseph and for us. And we're going bowling on January 27th at 3 p.m. Be there. Uh, the story of Joseph continues. Um, and we want to get to this now, more verses in, in Matthew. So he's in the process of clarifying his values. He had made a faith-filled decision to divorce Mary quietly. Okay, now the angel, now, now the dream. The Bible says, after he had considered this, see, after he had processed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now he knows. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I submit to you that this is 
This is a game changer for Joseph. And I see at least four differences in here where God is coming to Joseph and saying, I have different plans, ideas, and expectations for your family than you do, Joseph. And here they are. Number one, you're going to get married right... Again, remember, Joseph was thinking, I'm done with Mary. I'm a single man. I'm out of here. That's, that, that's where he was going. God says, you're not a single man, Joseph. I want you to get married. And the, and the girl I want you to marry is the one that you think has been unfaithful to you. Is Mary. So I want you to get married, number one. Number two, I want you to get married to a young lady named Mary. You were engaged to her. You still are. Get married to her. Number three, I want you to be a father figure to the son she's going to have. Okay, that's a that's game changer for our Joseph. And number four, Joseph, this is not about you. And it's, actually, it's not about Mary either. It's about this baby, and he's my son. And his name is Jesus, and he's saving the people from their sins. Joseph, I'm asking you to take this up because you are, you're helping me with my plan of salvation, with, with my redemption for the world. This is a big story, Joseph, and I need you to serve it. Four game changers for Joseph. And then later, right, he, they had the baby Jesus. He was a toddler. The wise men came. Crazy Herod was out to kill Jesus. And God came again with an angel and, and gave Joseph two new things. Number one, Joseph, you're going to move to Egypt. And number two, you just got to stay there an indefinite amount of time until I tell you it's safe to come back. So don't make any plans. Just, you're there until I tell you to, until you come back. That's not what Joseph was thinking. So those six things, maybe more, uh, game changers for Joseph. And then the Bible tells us his reaction. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. And then this after the second dream, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. See, Here's the big lesson. God told Joseph who, he, who God wanted Joseph's family to be. And God told Joseph what God wanted Joseph's family to be like. And Joseph said, okay. Joseph did not tell God who Joseph thought Joseph's family should be. And Joseph did not tell God what Joseph thought Joseph's family should be like. When we do that, it's a problem. Now, you and I do that. You and I want to tell God who our family should be. And you and I want to tell God what our family should be like. And when we do that, we're not listening to God. When we do that, here's our Right? Here's our ideas, plans, and expectations for our family and how we fit in it and how others fit in it and, and, and serve us and we're the top of the family all the time. And then here's God's ideas of our family. And we, we tell God, God, you need to come over this way. And in some ways, that's a prayer. That's not wrong. But when we stake in our, our ground and we say, it's, it has to be my way because God, I know best. And God, you better get on the ball here and move to, to my turf. Or it's, God, it's not going to go well. It, he's, he says, you're right. It's not going to go well at all. Because you're not God and I am. 
here's what that sounds like when we tell God who our family should be and we tell God what our family should be like. God, I know you gave me parents, but I really hate them right now. God, why can't I have children who are perfectly organized, perfectly obedient, perfectly quiet when they're supposed to be quiet, perfectly perform when they're supposed to perform, perfectly sleep when they're supposed to sleep, and are perfectly healthy all the time. God, I'm not supposed to be single. What's wrong with you? God, if our church family was really a, a true, quality, loving family, they would, they would realize what an amazing person I am, and they would, they would serve and love and take care of me and let me do what I want a lot more than they do. God, if you were a good God, why did my mom die so young? Why was my dad a drunk? Why did we have to move so many times? Why am I the middle child? Good questions, but when they become you telling God who your family should be and what your family should be like, and you're not listening to God and his plan and his his ideas, expectations, it's going to create a problem. And here's the problem. You are going to destroy First of all, your own relationship with your own family because you're not seeing it the way that it really needs to be. And number two, you're going to destroy your relationship with God. Uh, I don't want that for me. I, I don't want it for you. You don't want it for you. And so what now? Let's be aware of this. My idea, God's idea. Let's be Joseph's and let's listen and let's, let's understand that our way might seem right to us, but God is higher and his ways are higher and his ways are better and say, what do you got for me, God? And then let's not be afraid. That's what the angel said to Joseph. Don't be afraid because there's change on the scene. It's different. And then let's see this. The God who had those expectations of Joseph is an amazing God because here's what God was doing. He said, Joseph, your family's going to change, but I'll tell you what, Joseph, I'm God. I'm going to start by changing my family. The, the Son and the Holy Spirit and I, we're up, we're up here in heaven and we love it. It's so harmonious. It's perfect. There's nothing unpleasant going on. It's not dirty. It's not messy. And I'm, I'm going to make my family different and I'm going to send my Son to earth. That was different for God's family. Way different, especially for his son, right? And then who did, so Jesus is here, he's on earth. Who did Jesus want his family to be? Right, you and I have thoughts about who we want our family to be, what we want them to be like. Well, who did Jesus want his family to be? What did he want his family to be like? Who, Who did he want in it? Well, he came from this family that was so heavenly and holy and perfect and pure and put together and neat and tidy. And, but by his very entrance onto our planet, 
and by who he was and, and how he taught and what he said, here's what we know. You know who, do you know who Jesus wanted his family to be? The unheavenly and the unholy. The unpure and the sinful. The selfish, the unwilling, the lazy, the addict, the unchurched, the lost, the lonely, the sinner. Jesus said, that's, that's who I want my family to be, and that's you and that's me. The, the angel tells us that. When, when, when the angel comes to Joseph and says that he's going to be Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. Save who? Jesus is going to save his people. Who is that? It's not the Israelites. Well, they're, they're part of it. Israelites matter. But... That means all the people I just talked about, Jesus' people are, are sinners. Is the people of the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son. So Jesus is saving his people. That's us. And what, what God the Father didn't have to do. God the Father's ideas, expectations for Joseph's family, Joseph's expectations. God didn't have to do this to his own son and find congruence because God, God's, Jesus' own dream for his family matched his father's dream for his family, and that's to save the sinners of the world. To, to look on them with mercy every time, all the time to pay the sacrifice for our sins and the death of his own son so that we could be holy in his eyes forever so that we could be his children. That's the father and the son, their idea of family. I have a really powerful Bible verse here from Hebrews chapter 1 that I, that I think, or Hebrews chapter 2 that really says it all. It says this, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. You go home and, and tomorrow morning you get up and look at yourself in the mirror and say this. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Never has been and never will be. And tell yourself every day that because that's what God says. That Jesus is not ashamed of you. He has called you in his grace to be forgiven. And he calls you family. You're in. You're in God's holy, heavenly, perfect and pure family. And that's why in, in the New Testament then it says that, that, that we are God's family. It uses that term, God's family. So, Let's step back here and look at the scene now and kind of wrap this up. God comes to Joseph, asks Joseph to change his idea of family, to, to dream of his family the way that God's dreaming of his family. And it's not just a command of Joseph, but God has come to Joseph in Jesus, and God has changed his own family to love and to lead Joseph by his own promises. And because of that, Joseph can say, I, I get it, God. I I want to make my family different your way. And he does, and he's blessed. He makes Jesus 
Joseph makes Jesus the most important person and member of his family. Now, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great? Okay, this is all well and good. So if I'm like, I'm supposed to be like Joseph, bring it on, God. Give me, the, give me a dream. Make it nice and clear to me. Just make it really obvious. Send an angel to talk to me the dream. Just maybe send a seminary professor. Just don't let him nap. He's got to say something. You know, bring it. Bring the dream. No dream from God that I know of. And might feel a little let down about that. I mean, when do we get our dream like Joseph had? That makes everything clear. Let me say this. Joseph's dream did not make everything clear for Joseph in this way. God guided him, but Joseph still didn't have quite a vision for what the crucifixion of his son, Jesus, would be like. And Joseph had some Old Testament promises, but had, beyond that, no clue about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And certainly not much about the ascension of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. Joseph didn't know all that. And guess who does? You! You don't need a dream from God because you already see more clearly than Joseph ever did. So take that knowledge that you have. Take what God gives to you, not in a dream, but, but in the scriptures, in what he's already communicated. Take that and like Joseph took what God gave him, make Jesus the most important member of your family. That's what Jesus' dream is for you. Make that yours for him too. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an amazing Father. You're, you're faithful in your goodness and your love. You love your own Son, even though you sent him to die. And you love us too, even though you let us go through painful processes of confusion sometime and prayer that seems unanswered. Oh, Heavenly Father, give us the faith to, to trust in you that you're leading the way, that you're orchestrating our process, that you have bigger plans for us. And, and as the number one plan you have is, is to engage your own son Jesus into our own family, our own hearts and lives, to be the most important family member we know. Thank you for the blessings in our lives that come through Jesus. May we be a blessing to him and to all others whom he also loves. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen.